or I was distorting it in my mind to, to make it fit my narrative. And um, because it was easy, like I say, it was easy for me to accept that that's who I was rather than to admit that I need to change. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, I have Gary Ullman. He's a peak performance coach for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. He helps sales professionals use their skill sets to create their own online business. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joel. Great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. So tell me, Gary, what's going on in your world right now? Um, at the moment, I'm uh, busy evolving my business and uh, growing my personal brand. And I'm currently writing a new ebook as well on how to build or how to start and uh, grow your own online business. So it's all to do with how to find your niche, how to market yourself, how to uh, find your ideal um, perfect customer and a person who always wants to buy from you and um, how to put out social media content. And um, I'm going to be releasing that in the next couple of weeks probably. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just continuously evolving. I'm always, I'm always on the lookout for the next opportunity uh, and so we got in touch as well and obviously i'm here today and uh, yeah great to talk to like-minded people and, and just get my name out there so when you say grow your brand what are you what are you doing to um, to do that i know that's actually let's backtrack let's go back to the first bit you mentioned your niche okay yeah so i've, I've had a lot of conversations around issues lately um, <laughs> so could you give me your sort of take on it um a niche is for me, it, it boils down to three things. It's, it's, it's something that you're passionate about, and we hear that a lot. It's quite a cliched statement is, is to follow your passion, but it is very true. It's, it's relevant because if you're not doing something you're passionate about, especially in the startup business, the chances of you failing are sky high compared to someone who is working or, or with someone they love or, or doing something they love. So that's, that's key as well. And also, it's something that you have an existing skill for, and it's not something that you think you have an existing skill for. So you need to take your ego out of it as well. And if you're looking at a niche from an egotistical point of view, thinking, oh, I want to work with a, a seven-figure entrepreneur because that's who I want to be, that's ridiculous because you can't relate to that right now. So that seven-figure entrepreneur is never, ever going to want to work with you because you're so far down the pecking order compared to them. So you're bringing your ego into it. And um, it's very, very difficult to... Um, find that market and find your perfect customer in that niche if you're um, always trying to fight your ego and always putting your ego first. Any, any tips and recommendations on fighting your ego? <laughs> you just have to be honest with yourself and it's difficult for everyone to, to admit, especially in a business game, because we all want to hit the ground running. We all want to be recognized. We all want to be the person who people see as an authority. Um, but you need to be humble. You need to understand that everyone starts on the first rung of the ladder. And in order to get to where you want to be, you need to constantly ask yourself questions and constantly be honest and open and think, okay, and ju just admit that this is the beginning of your journey. You can't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 100. You need to stop looking at people who are so far ahead of you and being jealous and being, um, angry all the time and then think oh no i'm gonna i'm just gonna go for this now because you want you want the money you want the fame you want this 
because that's what they have. So you're letting your, e your ego and your emotions drive your decisions, which is just crazy. You need to constantly do something every day, five minutes, five hours worth of work, whatever it is that can drive you towards the vision you have for yourself. But you can't do it based on ego. You just, you, it, it will never work. It's, it's like driving a car at 100 miles an hour all the time. It, eventually, you're going to crash. You're just going to lose control. Yeah, I, I I can relate to that. I um when I first started out, there was talking about the niche and you know, you wanna you you wanna serve a market that can still fund you doing it full time. Of course, yeah. You know, uh, and that I know that part was particularly tricky for me to get to navigate. Um, but just being able to, like you said, be utterly honest with yourself. I mean. I, you made that sound so easy, right? I imagine how many people are maybe listening to this. And then actually, you know, we see it, don't we? It's, it's all rife on Instagram, you know? All, all, all the, I don't know, I don't even know what the, what, the, what the term is for it. They got these, like, the latest cars and flicking money everywhere. As if it's just, as if it's just manifested itself from nowhere. But, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, about being very real. Yeah, Sooner it's... or later. It's very difficult, Joel, in this day and age because everyone wants everything instantly and it's the instant gratification. And you touched on a good point there with social media. Everything is instant now. You can instantly check in on someone's life halfway across the globe and you can instantly compare yourself to them. And then you think, I don't have that in my life. Why do they have it? And then you start putting your ego in the way. You start getting angry and allowing your emotions to drive your decisions again. And it's just a, it's just a vicious cycle. Instead of actually looking at your life, people just constantly compare themselves to others and then they want that instant gratification that that person has. And it's just such an unrealistic world to live in. But you just have to put those things in perspective and figure out what's important to you. It sounds to me like you've got some hard-won lessons there, okay? Uh, or, or, or was it our personal experience of having been there and weathered um, it? Uh, I wouldn't say a massive personal experience. I hear it a lot from people in my line of work the, 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 the i mean i'm only 30 years of age but the young entrepreneur who comes to me is 22 23 i've got this idea i say i've got this idea for a small business brilliant okay so what do you want oh, i want i want a million pounds i want i want this i want that and you're just like whoa 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 pump the brakes here right let's look at your situation now why do you want a million quid oh because it will give me this it will give me this and instantly they go to that question it will give me this well how do you know it will give you this have you actually thought about what this million pounds will bring you? Is it, is it going to bring you negativity into your life? Are you trying to run before you can walk? Are you building your business on a rickety foundation, a rickety mental foundation? So when you get that million pounds, you're then going to go off the rails and you're going to start partying and drinking and going out all the time and doing what you want because your mindset's weak and you're, you're constantly grasping for that coveted thing that thing that you've put on a pedestal, which is that million quid, without actually asking yourself what's on the ladder as I go up to that, is there, is there going to be hazards in the way that I need to avoid? And, and I need to evolve each time I climb that rung. And it's just, it's rife now in our society in this day and age with, with social media. Everything's visual. Everything's constantly in your face 24-7. And people just take that as reality when in reality... It isn't. It's it's just a dream that very few people can actually um, live. And I think a lot of people would be more happier if they took the time to look at how they can actually develop their own lives 
realistically and be happy within their own life. And if you if you're achieving something that's realistic and you're setting the right expectations for yourself, you're going to compound that over time. And every realistic expectation you tick off is only ever going to lead to greatness along the way. And you're going to be happier and more content with your own life if you do it that way, rather than trying to go for the the um, to use a metaphor, you go like you're going for 180 all the time on the dartboard without even knowing how to throw a dart. So it's just I could go on and on, but I'm going to shut up now because I've, you've not said anything for a while. Don't, no, 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 don't, don't stop. He's <laughs> on a roll. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just something that. It's something I'm really passionate about. And as you can tell, the way, the way I speak, I can talk and talk and talk about it because I see it all the time. And I have dipped my toe into that trap before and I've not wanted to go any further because I've had to rein myself back in and think, who am I going to upset if I make this decision? Who is going to stand by me or who am I going to, drive out of my life if I make this decision because let's be real for a second if you're going to want to make a million pounds in a year you're going to have to make some pretty drastic decisions to go from zero to a million in a year if you have to be so such a drastic decision you're going to piss a lot of people off but people don't think about that right they just yeah. want a million quid and that's all they ever see and they leave a path of destruction in their wake no matter how young they are you you've got to think about all these musicians who were 25 26 27 years of age who were take who took overdoses when they got to their height of their fame because they moved so fast you look at them jimmy hendrix kurt cobain amy winehouse keith ledger the actor who um committed suicide when he's playing the joker that was the pinnacle of his career playing that role he got an oscar for it and look what he did he couldn't he couldn't live with the fame he couldn't live with the the constant um a relentless pace of his life because he he just transitioned so fast so you're telling me that a 22 year old entrepreneur who comes to me has no clue about business but has a great idea is going to and it's going to want that lifestyle <laughs> that's and that that all that all comes from social media it all well not all of it comes from social media but a large part of it in this society in this day and age comes from social media and instant instant recognition instant success and overnight success you hear those terms all the time but what people fail to look at with a really successful entrepreneur and a sustainable entrepreneur someone like jeff bezos who has built his business over what is it now 23 years 1997 i think he started amazon and they don't see that they want it they want it overnight and when they see someone like that they think oh he's done it he's done he was he was nothing and now look at him that's happened instantly but it hasn't because they're failing to look at the bigger picture i think grant cardone's another one he's he's a uh some you know, one of the classes in overnight success you know yeah. disregarding the 15 years that he's put in <laughs> to get to get where he is but you know kind of like exactly in fact, i don't actually know anybody that's an overnight success i mean i i'm with you i i, I hear that bounded about but i i don't categorically know anybody that I know of in the media, that is, you know, that overnight success. There's always that at least between seven to 15 years worth that goes in before that. Minimum. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no one out there. Or if I say, if, if there was someone who was an overnight success, they're not relevant now because 
and that's how we don't know about them. We probably, at the back of our mind, if we were to see a picture of them and hear their name, we'd probably go, oh yeah, I remember that person. But right now, off the top of our heads, who is there? I mean, seriously. <laughs> you, think, <laughs> you think of the, the Grant Cardones and the Elon Musks and the, and the, and the Steve Jobs. Obviously, he's, he's not, no longer with us, but you know, look, at, look how long it took him to build his, um, his empire. Look what Apple is today. Look what it was in the 70s. They were literally, him and Steve Wozniak were literally working out of a garage. But people don't want to get that down and dirty. They don't want to be. They have this crazy dream and they want to build this company that's the size of Apple and the size of Amazon. And you're like, brilliant. A fair play to you. Props to you if you want that for your life. But are you willing to work out of a garage 20 hours a day, eight, seven days a week for, and, you know, not have a holiday for, for eight years? That, because that's the reality of it, guys. That is the reality of it. And then when you hit, when you hit them with that fact, and they go, actually no, or they or they hesitate and they go, oh yeah, I didn't think of it like that. There you go. You know you've hit the you've you've hit the nerve there because they've only ever looked at the end product. They've only ever looked at the instant success, the overnight success, the money coming in, the worldwide fame, everything else that that brings. They haven't looked at the journey and. It sounds cliched, you know, to, to say it, but it's true. It is true, and it's truer now, and it's relevant now than it's ever been in this day and age. I think another thing that people tend to do is we tend to measure success by by material, by things, um, yeah. and then when they when they're pursuing, like if you was to go and ask like Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Grant Cardone, any of those, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, if he was going to go ask any of those people. Uh, what is it, you know, what do they like most about their, where they currently are? They would probably say the journey getting there. Mm. So we're all seeing the end goal, which is like the, the fame, the jets, the money, you know, being inspirational, motivational, talking on these videos and podcasts. But really, the reason they did it was because the journey intrigued them enough for them to pursue it. Absolutely. It drives that passion, doesn't it? Inside. It drives that, drives that fire inside them well you mentioned gary v there when he was 34 years of age he was stacking shelves in his dad's wine store his, his dad's wine business sorry but he helped grow that business obviously but he was his dad off that business was a millionaire but gary was still stacking um wine <laughs> on the shelves in that business it's a good and lesson he, <laughs> that's crazy and then he's obviously done his youtube channel he's done he's done wine library tv which is how he first started out and um now he's got Vayner Media and Vayner Sports, and he's the Instagram entrepreneur, isn't he? He literally lives on social media, and everyone only ever sees that side of him. If you if you were to go on YouTube now and type in Gary V Wine Library TV, you would see I think it's from two thousand two thousand six, maybe earlier than that. He's literally sat in front of the camera with wine bottles on a TV, on a table talking about wine. But <laughs> look at him now. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I've heard him say on when he has these entrepreneurs on his show, uh, and they're like, like, like you just said, 21, 22, and they're like, I want to be this and I want to be that. And he said, well, slow your roll. But are you willing to knock well for the next, next, the next Friday and Saturday for the next 10, 15 years? And they're like, uh, uh, right. All you've got on your time right now is time. Yeah. Execute consistently. You know? It's the same message. Yeah. Time is everything. Because what can happen is you get to my age, and then you suddenly become acutely aware that time is running out. Yeah. And it, and it's like, oh, 
uh, and not really what I thought I was going to be. And and then and then that's a different that's a different aspect altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, regret. Any regret? Any regrets for you? Yeah. Uh, regrets? Yeah, not setting big enough goals for myself, and um, not realizing I had enough. I had a choice earlier on with stuff that was going on, as in like that personal ownership. Um, I was very much victim mindset. Very much, uh, it's not fair. Why can't we all just get on? Mm. You know that those sort that sort of mentality. You know, putting the power with everyone else rather than realizing actually it was with me. Yeah. <laughs> so self ownership was lesson learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People spend a lot of time looking at others and 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 eyeing up others' lives, and we discussed it earlier on. And it's only like to say when you get when you get to a later age that you realize how much time you wasted doing that, and how oh. much time you could have been focused on yourself and learning and educating yourself. It's poison. Regret, regret, regret is poison. It's a horrible thing to to have living inside you. It's I, I've uh, I've learned to reframe it all as a, as an opportunities to reflect and grow. Because otherwise, like you said, if you if you end up being that regret in you, is is bitterness, and that's not good. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, without my journey, I wouldn't be where I am, and I'm I'm really happy right now. So that's how it is. Okay. So. It, <laughs> So tell us, how are you growing your brand at the present? Day? What are you doing? Um, I'm just, I'm just starting conversations. Simply put, um, I'm not posting a huge amount of content on on social media. Um, the content I am posting is either personal to me or it's um, a value post for my audience. It's not just generic content that I'm churning out for the sake of it. And yeah, talking to people. Anyone who engages with my content, I'm reaching out to them and just building relationships and getting the awareness out there. And the art of conversation in this day and age is is dead. And <laughs> I think if you're not talking to people and you're not being nice and you're not being open and honest and um, just being you and being authentic, you're going to fail to uh, to grow your business because pe- I'm not trying to build a um, corporate business here. I'm I'm not trying to constantly ram my message down people's throats i'm trying to build a personal brand you are dealing directly with me you're not dealing with a computer you're not dealing with a, a sales rep you're dealing directly with me and if people don't have that relationship with me and my personal brand how can they trust me and when we touched on social media earlier and saying everything's instant it is the instant likes and the instant dopamine hits that people are after on social media and they forget to talk to to each other and they always think that 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 affects me directly as a as a coach and as a, as a businessman or an entrepreneur because when I do reach out to someone, obviously not everyone replies to me, but when I do reach out to someone, they think instantly I'm trying to sell them something, and I'm not. I'm literally just trying to have a conversation. But people have got these filters now where they think that the world is trying to sell them something constantly, twenty four seven. And instead of actually looking at the facts behind it and looking at who I am and what the, the words I'm actually saying, the brain just switches off because it's easier to just put a negative spin on that and think, oh, he's instantly trying to sell me something. He's trying to sell me a coaching package. He's trying to sell me a course or whatever. And it's easier for people to do that. And that's why that, that drives people away from the art of conversation. So I've very much put that at the top of my list is to just try and talk to as many people as possible and just build trust and break down those barriers and break down people's beliefs that, entrepreneurs and, and businessmen are always trying to sell them something because we're not 
sometimes we are generally trying to make a difference in people's lives. Have you ever had one of those direct um, messages offering your coaching package? Oh, my God. I mean, do, I, do you want me to open my Instagram now or my, <laughs> my um, Facebook Messenger? I get hundreds of people. Hey, I can grow your social media to 10,000 followers in seven days. And I'll just reply, how? And then they don't respond. Or they say, then there's just, or you're just talking to a bot. And as soon as you hit send, it comes back with a message and says, these are our packages. And you're just like, oh, go away. But I have, had, I have had people, coaches trying to coach me and not actually knowing what I do, not actually looking at my profile and going, oh, he's a coach. Why am I trying to sell him a coaching package? <laughs> it's, it's just nuts. Yeah. That's what I mean about the art of conversation being lost. Everything's instant. Everything just send, 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 send all the time rather than who is this person? How can I get to know this person? How can I better their, their life? How can I help them develop? And what are their interests? What are their hobbies? Yeah, I'm with you. It's, uh... That's, that's why I love this uh, format. It's because uh, yeah. even even like personal conversation. Um, me and the wife, we have, we jump on you sometimes just to have a have a chat. Mm. But that'll be the most engaging chat we will have probably that week because it, it does it does something. It focuses you. It, uh, it does. And it, allow, it allows you to open up a little bit and be a little bit more, you know, willing to be open mm. and discuss. You know pertinent stuff that needs to be discussed sometimes like you know but yeah. uh i agree with you it's, it's the art of conversation it's uh it's, it's, i think it's where the value is it is definitely where the value is yeah it's it's a, it's definitely a, a um option for the long game if you're playing the long game you plan on being in this game for say 10 15 years plus rather than one or two years and you're trying to get a quick win the conversation is definitely for the long game because you're, you're building constant trust with people and you won't get them as, as customers or clients straight away but as soon as you talk to them and you even have a five-minute conversation with them you'll you find it the seed mm. and they know who you are and when your content and your stuff keeps popping up on their feed and it's adding value to them and it's helping them then they'll be willing to work with you but until you do that and you're just going to end up pissing so many people off if you just don't know how to talk to them because you're just wasting their time and in this day and age when everything's moving so fast we discussed it earlier time is everything and wasted time is something that everybody hates and if you're yeah. doing that as an entrepreneur you're not going to make a living oh it's uh what's this it's one commodity we got there's a saying that goes with time isn't it? something about being the, the greatest commodity we have but the one we spend most frivolous yes yeah it's uh and i certainly guess the wheels turning when you <laughs> Especially if people are knocking out uh, box sets on Netflix, uh, <laughs> and and then they're, they're sacked off in their job, you know, mm. or or some aspect of their life that they feel that they would like to change it. It's just maybe they don't know how. So then yeah, they don't know how, or it's easier for them to admit that they can't control it because they think right. that it's easier for them to blame the world than to actually admit that they are one hundred percent in control. And this is a this is something I say a lot, and it, it, not not everyone hates it. I get. I, not everyone likes it. They they hate it. I get a lot of heat for it because um, I'm 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 a nice guy, but I'm also quite direct and honest. And I do say what people need to hear, and even if they don't want to hear it that particular time. And you are 100% in control of your life. If you're if you've grown up in the generic way and you've had um, parents, you've gone to you know, 
with both parents, they're nice, happy married. They've gone, you've gone through school, you've gone through college, whatever it is you're doing, and you've worked your way into the adult world. And then you've got to a certain point and you're moaning and complaining about your job. That was down to you and you alone. That was no one else who made that decision. You, choose, you chose to listen to those influences. You may chose to listen to your parents. Your parents may have said stuff, trying to guide you down the right path. And that's fine. Don't get me wrong, at a young age, we do need that guidance. But there comes a time when you just have to admit that this isn't for you and you need to make a change. And if you've got to a point where you've gone too far and you're really, really hating and resenting this position you're in, that is down to you and no one else, 100% um, within your realm. Absolutely, completely agree. Oh. What the, the, the question that helped me the most that I wasn't even aware was there was um, or the, or the sentence went something like, I'm, I'm not happy right now. What can I do about it? Yeah. <laughs> didn't, have, didn't have any English on that one. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm happy. Oh, I just continue. Mm. And I, I see that. I mean, you probably see that. People, yeah, you can, you just want to grab them, shake them, and say, look, you could just do this. Because it's just one thing I can maybe tweak them enough in the right direction. But what I'm learning is, is to step back and some, I got a friend, uh, Clayton Smesser, who says, be the light, there's not a tugboat. Mm. Putting your content out there, keep being you. And if people, you know, sometimes it's going to be people that hit the rocks and that's their journey. They need to hit the rocks to then come back to where they need to be, you know? Yeah. Do, do you see that in your coaching? Do you wear? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, me, myself, and um, I, would, I would rather put out content for, for a year and have no clients but know that people are watching it and people resonate with it than rather putting out 50 pieces of content a day that no one cares about. Uh, but I was trying to get clients all the time and, and rushing around coaching clients because you're not, you're just not helping anyone by doing that. You're, you're not um, adding any value whatsoever. If you're constantly looking for the quick win. And I, I said it earlier when people, people come to me who are, who are younger than me and they, they say they want this, they want that. They want the world and they're 22 years of age. And they, no, they're not thinking about the other 50, 60, 70 years, 80 years, and they could have ahead of them. And like I said, you, if, you're, if you're being a lighthouse, like you, you um, put it really well there, Joel, and you're, you're putting your image out into the world and you're projecting and you're putting your message out, your positive message all the time, there will be people out there <laughs> that eventually over time will trust you and they will they will contact you message you directly or comment on your post and it's all to do with how you tell your story um i think and how you present yourself and how you um come across to people if you're coming across as desperate and you're coming across as someone who is always looking to sell and not actually add any value um you'll you're dead in the water. You've, you've lost before you even got out of the starting box. That's my perspective. That's my opinion. Um, and like we just said, people all the time try to sell things on social media and messages directly without actually knowing who they are. And um, if you're not thinking of it like from a lighthouse perspective and you're not trying to be the beacon of hope for everybody and the thing that, people, that, that guides people to safety and gives them something to, to, um, to follow and, and look forward to when they go onto Facebook and social media, then um, you, need to, you need to reevaluate your, yourself and your niche and your market and the way you're doing things because you're, you're not going to win that way. 
I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I'm I'm long game. I'm. Uh, I said I've been doing this podcast for two years now. Mm. So it's sooner or later. I I don't want to stop because what drives me for this podcast is this is this interaction. Yeah. So I can get a ten out of it. <laughs> Just having a meaningful connection with with a human, which sounds crazy. It sounds crazy in a modern in a modern world. Yeah, it really does. Especially in the UK when everyone's so stern and doesn't like to talk to now you go to America and it's a whole different world. Everyone loves to talk to each other. And unless you're in New York. But if you go to Disneyland, everyone talks to each other. It's human interaction. But okay. like you say, it sounds so crazy in the UK to, to say just just sit down and just talk to a stranger. People think you're insane if you do that. <laughs> I know. I know it's nuts, isn't it? It is nuts, yeah. But you're happy to do it on social media because there's that there's that barrier there. But um, yeah, people even then they still don't want to do it. They still don't want to open up and be vulnerable and actually try and talk to somebody. And yeah. I think if a lot of people did that, then um, us entrepreneurs we'd obviously have an easier ride. But people wouldn't be in the situations they're in if they were just willing to talk to people and just admit that uh, they need a little bit of guidance now and again. Yeah, I think I can hold a lot of people back and actually. Uh... It's, it's, it's to ask for help implies, implies more than what's, ne- what's not actually said, isn't it? It's that I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people think it applies weakness as well. Yeah. Um, which is just silly. It's absolutely silly. They're, all the entrepreneurs we discussed earlier on, there's no way they've got to where they are without any help. Just impossible. Oh. Absolutely. I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy to think that uh, we'd rather. F- Poor John uh, in like, you know, scrapping things out in a job we're not happy with, creating a, more of a mess that we're already in, rather than sticking our hand up and saying, actually, something's not right here. What, what, can, I, what can I do differently? <laughs> who, can I, you know, who can I connect? Who can I contact? Who can I but yeah, you can Google anything nowadays if you've got a trouble? Yeah, you can. You know, yeah. Or YouTube, whatever. Yeah. It's mad. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to when, uh, say, like school time for yourself. So you said you didn't just suddenly arrive with all this perspective that you currently got. Tell us a little bit about the early days in school. Um, well, where do I start with that? Um, I hated school. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've shared a couple of things about school before. Um, I was severely bullied as a, as a kid, and when I was um, seven, I uh, made the decision to actually get my ears pinned back because when I was younger, my ears stuck out massively and I was always picked on for it. And um, it didn't help as well when I moved to secondary school, but I was also very, very skinny and I'm tall. I'm six foot three and I was built like a racing snake. And um, people used to pick on me for that as well. I used to get called all sorts of things. And um, yeah, so that didn't give me the best start when I left school because as I developed, as I, as I grew, as um, I filled out a little bit, I, I had these barriers that I put up, these um, protective barriers, and I didn't want to really talk to anybody. I, I was always quite abrupt, and I was a bit of a dick, to be honest, in my teenage years and my, my early adult years, because I carried the 15 years of, of um, rough riding and bullying and things like that at school into my early adult years and I was away from that environment but I still had those barriers and those instant responses 
and those behavioral patterns that I put up myself. And it wasn't until my dad spoke to me about a, a job interview that I failed because I was just so blunt. I came back and it didn't really go well. And the guy gave me the feedback on the email after. My dad said, you, you, need, to, you need to relax, is his words. He said, you need to just learn, chill out. Not everyone is here to hurt you. Not everyone is here to pick on you and tease you and um, make fun of you now. They're here to help you. You need to let go. You need to let go of your past and, and move forward. Anyway, long story short, I've gone through my career now from sort of 20, 22 to 30 with a completely different outlook. And it, was, it took time, obviously. I, it, I, it wasn't an overnight change. <laughs> we talk about overnight success. This was an overnight change. But after the numerous conversations with my dad, but that was the catalyst for me. And um, after hearing those words, it really sort of made me think because I, I didn't really have a lot of friends either. I'd driven a few people out of my life. So I had to sort of go back and, and um, build myself up again and, and start to build bridges with people. And um, that, didn't con that didn't help either because I was, I was lonely. I was isolated. So again, whenever, every time someone new approached me, I was defensive instantly, defensive because I didn't know them. And um, I didn't have that human interaction that a lot of people do if they have a large group of friends and they constantly talk to them. So, um, yeah, I went through my career, worked my way up. And eventually I became a, I eventually became a manager and I, I led a team of people. I, I mentored them and embraced them and, and helped them and developed them as salespeople and as in the automotive industry. And um, eventually, once I'd had enough of that job, I decided to uh, look elsewhere. But it, it took me probably two years to transition fully to, from starting to look elsewhere to actually transition out of that role um, into, into a coach. And I just thought and thought and thought about what I'd learned over the past sort of eight, seven, eight years. And then where I've gone, to, where I got to, which was mentoring people, helping people in their career and um, chose to look into being a coach and, and spoke to various people. And here I am. And uh, yeah, it was a, a massive shift for me, but I, I love it. There's, there's no better feeling than seeing someone go from point A to point B and knowing that you've um, guided them along the way and you've developed them into um, to have a better mindset or to create an online business or whatever it is you do um, there's there's just no better feeling I mean can I reverse a little bit there can I go back to you said about you put up barriers yes how did, how did you obviously you've got a good relationship with your dad who pointed those barriers out to you yeah so how did you go about breaking them down um, one of the biggest things was taking up a few more hobbies and um, getting out there because I was quite, I was a bit of a hermit to be honest. I used to, <laughs> used to come home from work and just um, sit in my room or sit downstairs and just watch TV. And when I started doing hobbies, I, I, I took up um, golf. I went to the driving range a couple of times with my mate because he, um, or a guy I knew at work, and then we became really good friends. I was actually best man at his wedding three years ago. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I got into golf. Golf is now my main hobby, but it's also doing other things, just going out more and just going, even going out with my dad and his mates, because my dad was a firefighter, so there was a lot, there was a lot of camaraderie with, with that, and just going out with them and, and being, the young, being the youngest out there, you know, and obviously getting, getting a bit of banter chucked my way and just learning to deal with that and learning to deal with the laughter and, and the... And the 
sort of brotherly bond that they had because they're all firefighters looking out for each other and, and seeing that. And then thinking, this is all right, you know, this is good. I like this. And just going from there and just doing more and more things and just trying and trying more things. And you don't know um, how to develop as a person unless you're trying different things because you, you, you're not going to know what you like. And that was something that I did. I didn't want to do anything like this. This is how I am now. This is what I know. This is me as a person. I'm not going to try anything else. And it didn't benefit me at all doing that. So I had to make a change. Was there an element of comfort slipping in and you were being comfortable in your, I don't see box, but in your zone? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wasn't growing at all as a person. I was, um, my, going back to what we said about the art conversation, I didn't know how to talk to people. I was just so blunt and, and monosyllabic and um, everyone would sort of be scared to actually try and have a conversation with me if I was going to a family party even even close family or, or family I hadn't seen for a while, it, I found it difficult to talk to them. Even though I'd known them for years, it was, it was weird. And I was definitely in the comfort zone. It was just easier for me to accept that that was where I was rather than to actually admit to myself that I needed to leave that zone and, and to develop as a person. And like I say, it took time to admit that. It's never easy to admit yourself to stuff or to watch other people and think, I need to do that in my life. And um, rather than I want that, what I want what they have, you think, yeah, I can, I can apply that to my own life. And um, yeah, it took probably the best part of two, three years for me to actually transition into a better mindset and, and a more open, less defensive person. Yeah, it sounds like you've, well, you've applied a lot of patience and persistence there. Is, is there... Is it, is it anywhere else that you would have applied that? Because I say you're only you're only thirty now. Mm. But is that is that the, the point between twenty two and thirty that you see those values coming up strongly for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've developed more in the last seven to eight years than I ever did at any other point in my life, and um, I've just I've brought more and more things into my life and, and learnt more and more things. I'm I'm open to any option now. I'm open to to reading any book, to watching any podcast, uh, listening to any podcast, watching any video, talking to any person who I think can have value to me, even if eventually they don't have value to me, I haven't really lost anything. Mm. And when you have a filter of um, deletion in your mind, that you're just deleting the stuff that you don't want to hear and you're keeping the th same thoughts and the same behavioral patterns in your mind, you, you're not going to grow as a person. That's the trap that I fell into. I was just delete. I was hearing information, but I was just deleting it, or I was distorting it in my mind to, to make it fit my narrative. And um, because it was easy, like I say, it was easy for me to accept that that's who I was, rather than to admit that I need to change. You just touched on my favourite words there. Can you can you can you tell us a little bit more about your narrative? Um, what deleting, distorting, and generalising? Yeah, or, or what, whatever whatever the the story was that you were telling yourself at that time? Yeah, I was, If say for instance, I was talking to someone who I didn't know, instead of trying to be friendly and trying to learn about this person, I would delete the friendly warming embrace that they were giving me and the friendly language they were using. I would distort it in my mind to make it fit my narrative, which at the time the narrative was um, defensive and frustrated and, and um, blunt and not and not arrogant, but you know, 
just just bullish if you like and um then i would generalize it and i would i would give it back to them in my general way which was hey gary how are you doing really good to meet you how are you not bad thanks rather than not bad thanks how are you great to see you it would just be not bad thanks and then that would throw them back and they'd go oh okay um yeah well great to talk to you but to me that was the norm because that was what i was that was my narrative my narrative was keep it short keep it sweet be defensive don't want to talk to anyone don't really want to be friendly i don't know this person they might try and pick on me they might try and put me down some way i don't want to know who they are even if they are being friendly how do i know? <laughs> i was always thinking there was a hidden agenda which was just crazy and um that was my narrative and everyone has a narrative but and everyone deletes and distorts information and generalizes it to, to fit their narrative and you hear it all the time people only hear what they want to hear the is the phrase because they only ever hear what they what they can relate to and what they can resonate with and for me that was um in my mind it was to resonate with being blunt and being um unfriendly <laughs> which sounds horrible but that's what i did oh, that is what i did i, I can relate to that I, have you ever delivered a piece of information to someone and it's just completely bypassed their filters it's like you never even spoke yes well, explain to the audience what what, what that, maybe that scenario or what was going on at the time because i i got a it's just dead air isn't it it's just horrible <laughs> but i've had i've had a couple of practice um clients and uh, they've been close friends and, and family when i was starting out and they all have their beliefs and because i know them i know their beliefs so i thought oh they're perfect people to practice on and you would give them a line and you would say that you'd ask them a question say okay so what can you do right now that will move you closer to your goal? Just use a generic coaching question. And they would say, okay, so the one thing I can do now is to not do this. And he said, no, I didn't say that. I said, what's the one thing you can do? I didn't say what you shouldn't do or what, what not to do. And they're like, what, what do you mean? Because they're in such a negative mindset. They're only ever looking at what not to do rather than what they can actually do. And they're saying, look, what can you do? I can't do anything. Yes, you can. <laughs> what can you do? And it's, I've had that numerous times. And they're completely bypassed and distorted the language I'm using there because they don't, they've never been asked that question. So it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit a positive narrative I'm trying to give them because it only fits their negative narrative, which is the things they can't do. And they always, they're always thinking they can't do something, which is why I thought they would be perfect coaching clients because I wanted to make them realize what they can do. And yeah, that's one example there, but it, it, one, it's infuriating as a coach, it's infuriating, but you can't let it show because you want to be this person who's like, right. Okay. Right. Let's move on to the next question. But um, yeah, go on. Let's hear some of yours. Oh, I, I, I said something to somebody once where they just, I, I spoke and they were listening and then they just carried on as if I hadn't, they, they took it all in, but it's all, I was watching the eyes mm. and, and their eyes were, so they, they were sort of watching me and it, and it just went da, 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 da. and I was like, did, did you not just hear me you know, speak? It must have just completely just gone through the filter and just out the other end. Like. And yeah. it, it, blew, it blew my mind because I've never actually, the person that I was I'm talking about was particularly, it's a particularly strong person uh, with his beliefs, very opinionated. So what I said was in direct 
violation everything he believed in. And and that's why it just didn't register, do you know what I mean? And the boys that were with me sort of looked at me as <laughs> right there, like I was like I think I just challenged a couple of his beliefs of what I just said. Yeah, that's one thing people hate, don't they? Challenging their beliefs. How <laughs> dare you do that? <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, it's good though, especially like you said, when you help people shift. Uh, it's, it's fantastic to, to see those people go from a belief of, I know, I'm not good enough, or I can't do this, or I can't do that, and all of a sudden then it's like, oh, hang on. Mm. Perhaps I can. Do you know what I mean, or, or or something to that tone, you know? Yeah, you just see, you just see them blossom, don't you? When there's yeah. that light, like you talked about the vacant expression on your friend's face there, but the, the opposite is that light bulb moment, and we hear that a lot, that phrase in coaching and and, and in life, the light bulb moment. But when you literally see it on someone's face, their expression just switches, doesn't it, like that? And you go, I've got it now. I've tapped into that side. One of my favourite things is when they say I'm not good enough. You say why? And then they say, oh, my friends have told me I'm not good enough. Why? And he just, I asked, I probably asked the question why five, six, seven times. And he may get a little bit pissed off at me asking it, but when you, when you get to the point and they, you're just asking why, why, why all the time, you're just digging a layer deeper each time, aren't you? And they're trying to, you can literally see their eyes darting around and they're going like that. Because oh. all, the, all the neurons in their brain are firing because they've never been, they're trying to find a route or a situation or a story that's happened in their life. And they've got, I'll bury that to the back of my mind because I don't want to think about that. And when you keep asking why, 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 and they keep digging and searching for those all the time, eventually you get to the root cause. It's like a weed, isn't it? When a weed's growing up through a pavement and it just spreads out and finds different cracks and different crevices to go in. And that's exactly what bad um, experiences do in people's minds. They, they, they bury and they hide in their mind. And then to, because that uh, root of that weed is spread so vast, it's very difficult to rip it up and to actually um, get rid of it. But you do that by asking why all the time. And I love doing that to people. I love seeing them either get more worked up <laughs> because I'm constantly asking the same question, but I'm asking it for a reason, or to see their eyes darting around because they're thinking about different things and thinking about different reasons as to why they have this belief that they're not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, it's, it's good work, especially it's very fulfilling when, when they get that shift. Um, I, I was going to ask you something. Was, you mentioned earlier on about being frustrated. Uh, it's gone. Anyway, let's jump on to the next one. So, fast forward a few more years. You said you've been through uh, 22 to 30, you're 30 now. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's multiple jobs? Yes, numerous jobs. Yeah, I'm, in the past three years I've had five jobs okay okay and so what first and one of the questions I asked you was what emotions does that evoke for you like those changes and you mentioned something along the lines of frustration and having no money mm. is that was that your pivot point it was until I got into my last role which I was a senior manager um, I was actually working for BMW um, and I had the money coming in, but the light bulb moment for me was when I realized I still wasn't fulfilled and I still wasn't happy. And then I thought about using the skill set I had and sort of to transition into coaching. Um, but when I, was, when I got to that beacon, 
um, sorry, when I got to that goal of having that money, which I hadn't had before, I never earned so much in my life. And I thought, this is it now. This is the job that I can be happy in because I'm earning this money. This will give me the um, option to do things I haven't done in my life before. And it did to an extent, you know, and I could buy more things and I could drive. A, I had a nice company car. I was wearing a suit every day for work. I was working in a lovely dealership, but I was coming home at night and I was um, lying on the sofa and I was, my head was spinning and I still wasn't happy. I had the, I had the money in the bank and I'm not looking for sympathy here, people. So, you know, <laughs> don't, um, don't think, oh yeah, poor you and it's earning, uh, earning a good salary. But my point is, I was earning the most money I'd ever earned in my life and I was earning 15 grand more than my previous role and I still wasn't happy. So there was a serious problem there that I needed to address. That's what I'm hitting at here. And I did address it. And I, I've just um, put 100% into this um, because it is what I want to do. And we mentioned earlier about enjoying the process. This is a process for me. I'm relatively new to this in comparison to the coaches that have been out there and the coaches that have established themselves over time and the people who mentored me, but I'm in it for the long haul. I'm playing a long game here because I love what I do. And I'm ticking each box off one at a time. And in five years time, I know exactly where I want to be. You tend to, I mean, no doubt that resonates with so many people um, in a job you don't like. Um, you know, I can all, all sorts of different words come to mind. Um, but how did you, how have you phased in to the current your current reality what have, what have you done to position yourself where you are I started in, sorry so from the aspect of being in a job and then not being in a job um well it was it was this it was a combination of discipline um and asking myself better questions and the discipline was in regards to actually think about what i wanted to do truly truly think about what i wanted to do and what i currently have at my disposal what resources i can use now the resource i had was obviously i was earning good money so i didn't need all that money i didn't need to spend all that money so i started to put a little bit of money away each month and enough to eventually i got to the point where i had enough to survive on for two or three months and um but i'd also in the background while i was doing that i'd always also been building my business so I'd done two things. I'd looked, I'd researched what I wanted to do, made a disciplined decision to start putting some money away to fall back on, and also tested the water with my business to see if there was actually an interest in that, into what I wanted to do. Mm. And if there wasn't, I would have happily stayed in that in that job because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the end goal. I knew that I was gonna I was gonna leave that role, whatever it was, because I had the money in the bank to fall back on if needed be. I could have easily got another job because I the, automotive, the sector I was in, the automotive industry, um, I was in sales and repair. So I was in the body shop side and I was also in the sales side. So I was flicking between the two. So I had a choice there. I could have gone sales or I could have gone body shop or I could have stayed in the middle. And I could have easily got a job. And anyone out there listening now, your job is not the be all and end all. You could, I mean, obviously what we've got going on now, jobs are scarce. But I'm talking in the real world when none of this is going on and we're just we're going out and about and doing how's it doing as we please you can you could quit your job and if you really applied yourself within a week if you if if um the shit hit the fan you could have another job it the the job is not the be all and end all you just need to make a few disciplined decisions and ask yourself what you really want 
And all it takes is to write down the things that you're good at and the things you have at your disposal, your resources. And it's exactly what I did. I have mentorship. I have the experience of managing people. I have the experience of being um, put under pressure and, and delivering to deadlines, which is what I have to do for my clients and also for myself if I was building a business. So what ties in with those three, th with those, uh, three things? Coaching, in a, in a sense. And then I started to research that and gradually transitioned into that industry by building my business behind the scenes. And it was hard. I mean, I was, I was getting home and I was, um, I was getting home for half six, seven o'clock at night and then working till 11 o'clock mid, um, or midnight. I was doing the same weekends. And it was difficult. It took it out of me. But one of, because I knew what I wanted, I kept at it. And there's no secret here. <laughs> that is what you have to do. If you're in full-time employment and you want to start your own business, online which is a lot easier to do nowadays um, because you have so many tools out there that can help you and so many people that can help you you have to make those disciplined decisions and you have to make those sacrifices but if you continue to do it every single day and you continue to do something each day you could realistically do it in six months and what's six months in the, in the grand scheme of things six months of sacrifice can give you an online business not saying it's going to be an empire, but it can give you a little lifestyle business and something to actually give a toss about. <laughs> and you can put your all into it. And you can also, if you don't want to just quit your job like I did, you can carry on doing it. If you're that passionate about it, you can carry on doing it whilst you're in a, in a job. And eventually, you'll transition out of it. But you'll always have that income, so you'll always have something to fall back on. You don't have to make the drastic decision I did of just parting ways of your job and going all in on it. That's not something a lot of people are willing to do, but it's something I was willing to do because I was a little bit desperate. I get it. I mean, uh, when it comes to doing things that are needed, like the, fir the first question I, I think a lot of people don't ask, and I think there's a reason they don't ask it, is what, what do I want? Mm. What have you come across from the people that you've coached when, when you actually ask that question? Do, or do you ask that question? Yeah, I ask that question all the time. They always tell me what they don't want. They say, I don't, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be in this job. I don't want to have no, um, no friends. Okay, okay, brilliant. Tell me what you do want. And then they just repeat themselves again, but from a different thing. I don't, I don't want to have no money. I don't want to be lonely. You just have to, it's not something people used to be asked. And people think it's, real, it's just crazy and unrealistic to say they want freedom. They want to live life on their own terms. They want to do this, they want to do that because they, they're so fearful of being judged all the time by people in this day and age. Everyone is out there now is willing to shoot people down all the time. And people are so scared and so worried about being vulnerable by saying what they want. And they're not used to being asked that question by someone who actually cares. And that's the response I always get, Joel. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was me. Yeah. When I, when I went to see my, my therapist that helped me, that was the first question, what do you want? And I told him 10 minutes, well, I said this loads of time on you, I told him for 20 minutes what I didn't want. I said, stop, what do you want? He's just said it all in like, tell me what you don't want, tell me what you do want. And, he, and I started framing it as a positive, I went on for two or three and then I slipped into the old pattern and he stopped, stop. But I don't know, for me, what came up was negative mindset was, always leading to what I don't want. Yeah. And the second thing I think that showed up for me was a 
a guilt around saying what I do want. And, and the guilt was based around, if I say what I want, I am selfish. Because yeah. we're, not, we're not taught, you know, in school, it's like, like in parents, it's generally, it's like, you know, I mean, what you want. <laughs> yeah, you're true. <laughs> Think yeah. about other people all the time, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, as are you, that's why you're in this role. You must be an empath to a degree because you resonate with people and you want to help people. So, you know, but it's, it's, it's balancing, helping those people with understanding that at the same time, um, it's okay to know what you want. It's okay to voice it, you know? Um, and th those were the two stumbling blocks for me. One, one was, like you said, not framing it in a positive context. And then the second one was understanding that actually, this, this people listening will come against this. If they just ask themselves that question, there's stuff that will come straight into their heads. Uh, and, and a good book to help with that could be, suggest a book, Gary, when, when those negative biases come up. Oh, good question. Um, oh, monkey mind. I've got The Chimp Paradox is one of my favourite books. Have you read that? Yeah, that's one of, that's one of my favourites. That's the yeah. good one to start for the chatter. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the way that different parts of the brain jump in at different points and even though one part of the brain wants to do something the other part of the brain is saying it's like the angel and the devil thing isn't it on the shoulders yeah that, that, that stems from the the good and the bad side of the brain if you like and the, the animalistic instinct of, of the brain and um it's easy to to fall into that pattern of that side of the brain than it is to actually use the human side of the brain which is to, to think logically and to think um, beneficially. And uh, yeah, that's a great book to read. If anyone out there has uh, ever heard of that and hasn't, hasn't read it yet, I, I thoroughly recommend you give that a read. You, you touched on something then uh, for the animalistic and the, the human side and the human side being logical. Mm. How did you become aware that you were, to get where you are now, you must have applied your logic, obviously. But there must have been a point when you were living off your emotions or your reactions. How did you become aware that there was a difference or a choice? I looked around me and realised I had no one around me in my circle, if you like. And I, I thought about the reasons why I had nobody around me, apart from family, of course. And it was because I'd always reacted on my emotions and I'd driven people away. I'd always gone to the default response, which I said earlier, which is the defensive response. And it was a bad behavioral pattern. And I had to apply some logic to my thinking and think, where's that come from? Which is what I mentioned earlier, the early years of my, of my life at school. And um, it took a lot of self-reflection and a lot of looking in the mirror to admit and hold myself accountable for the, for the situation I was in, which is what I, what I said earlier on. I was, I was 100% in the situation I was in because of, because of the decisions I made, which was to upset a lot of people, to drive a lot of people out of my life, which was, again, was the, the defensive um, fight response, if you like, almost the fight response, if you like, when someone new came up to me, I was on, always on the back foot looking to get away and, um, or, or, or lunge forward and um, drive them out of my life, if you like. It's, it's, 
not something I find easy to talk about. As you probably tell, I'm really thinking about what to say here because it was a, it was a weird time in my life, and um, yeah, it was just a lot of self reflection, a lot of thinking, a lot of talking to my parents, especially my dad, because he's always been the calm, um, placid one in the family, and spent 30 years in the fire service, and obviously some of the things he'd seen in that, um, dealing with death, dealing with trauma dealing with all sorts of horrific things. He'd always had to be calm. He'd always had to block, block that stuff out. And I learned a lot from him um, about just letting your guard down just, and just thinking differently, thinking logically and thinking strategically. And, um, yeah, I've applied that a lot to my life over the sort of the past, realistically, probably over the past four years, I've, I've gone all out with that, with that way of thinking and, and it has benefited me no end. It's, um, I think the, I find it amazing that our lives can be shaped in our 20s, 30s and 40s by what we experienced when we were 7, 13, 14 years old. Mm. You know, because that's, I, I love the, a lot of, I think one of the, the quotes is like, yeah, belief structures form at the age of six. That's the foundational phase for a child. But then, most of the people I talk to on the podcast and in out there, they've always got a story from com, comprehensive or a high school in America, yeah, where they were subjected to something, an event, which, with a child's perspective, is gonna it is from a child's perspective is pure persecution. Um, but if I asked you to go back to that point of you being bullied, uh, not to uh, so, have you done any timeline work and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if you go back to that point before you go into the to the event and acknowledge it and see it as an adult looking at it, it can and it can shift the perspective of the situation. And, and I know that has been helpful too. Um, can you can you relate to that or? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah? thinking about the the image of it happening the image of the of the drastic event happening or the life-changing event in your life um happening and then sort of freezing that image and deleting that image or shrinking that image down in your mind and that takes a lot of powerful thinking so if someone's talking you through it that can really help and just just playing around with that image and getting it to um a size where you can actually sort of flick, flick it out of your life and push it away and um, then look at it from the perspective of irrelevance because you've gone past that now you've moved so that event is irrelevant in your life but you're allowing it to control you and I definitely fell into that trap and I'm, I'm not the only one who has obviously thousands and or millions of people have, have, have gone through that and um, when you when you learn to, to control that image and push that image away you realize that once you can move and manipulate that image in your mind, it isn't, it isn't relevant to you anymore because now that event is past, <clears throat> you can either choose to let it shape you in right into adulthood, sort of 20, 30 years later and carry it around like the weight of the world on your shoulders, or you can choose to just push it away. But it does take a lot of, a lot of reframing, a lot of thinking to do that. And it's not an easy thing to do, but what I'm saying is that is how, can be done and mm -hmm. i've done it 
I'm sure you have as well, and people you know and people I know have done it. And it's a constant process. You constantly have to think about it and think of it from different scenarios and different perspectives. Mm-hmm. What if this happened? What if that happened? How would have that affected me? But because it's so, such a long time ago, um, you can look to understand it from that perspective and realize that it's not relevant anymore. I think, yeah, you're right. I think for me, um, it was understanding that once I applied the frame of what did I learn, mm. it was then no longer the incident it initially was in my head to me. Yeah. Because then it was a learning moment. Yeah. And then if I class myself as an somebody that wants to grow and learn every day, I can embrace it. And I then need that experience to evolve. Yeah. Uh, rather than, like you said, just wearing it like a, another, you know, uh, ball and chain around your leg that's weighing you back in life, you know? Yeah. So it's cool. Okay, mate. Let's, uh, let's jump forward a little time. I've, we've, I've, I've taken you off track and we've, <laughs> we've gone over <laughs> time. Um, okay. So I think you've actually talked this one. How do you deal with the new obstacles in life? Um, I'll keep it short because like you say, we are, we are, we are running low on time. Um, obstacles, think about the goal you want. Think about the obstacles that could come your way along that goal and think about the solutions off, branch off, branching off of that obstacle or that challenge. So when you do come to that obstacle, which if you're making a drastic change is inevitable, you will encounter them. You're already prepared mentally to deal with it and you're not suddenly hitting that wall and then thinking, how do I climb over it? You've already built the ladder to climb over it in your mind. That's what I do personally. Okay, looking into the future, what could be the craziest and most exciting thing that you could be experiencing? Craziest? I don't know. The most exciting thing for me would be to speak at a huge TEDx event because that is something I've wanted to do um, since I started this journey as a coach. That, that's the, like the pinnacle for me. It's getting on stage and speaking in front of, you know, a thousand people, two thousand people, whatever it is. What would it be on? Um, it will probably be on. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I've never really thought about what I could actually talk about. Um, <laughs> the way I talk about a hundred different things. The way my mind goes. One sub. One subject would would be. Um probably what we just talked about in regards to overcoming past influences. I, I would, I'd love to talk about that. I was going to say, it sounds like you've got a powerful story in there. Like you said, it's, it's difficult for people to talk. Mm. And some of the most impactful TEDx's I've ever seen is when people get really vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and then your vulnerability is you create the strength in the world. Yeah. Telling the story, telling the story is, is um, something that you can use in any aspect of your life no matter what you do it, because as soon as people listen to it as soon as people can resonate with you they're more likely to buy from you they're more likely to listen to what you have to say they're more likely to to watch your videos or whatever it is you do telling your story is 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 king and just being vulnerable Absolutely. yeah no it's spot on it's spot on okay and the final question where can the audience find you and on what platforms i am on facebook twitter linkedin and instagram um facebook is just gary j allman instagram is the same but all one word uh twitter gary j allman one 
for the number one after it because some horrible person had already taken Gary J. Orman on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, yeah, LinkedIn is obviously just my full name as well. And my website is um, GaryJOrman.com if you want to check out exactly what I do. Cool, man. Gary, I want to thank you for your, for your openness, for your vulnerability and the willingness to share today. It's, uh, it's been educational and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much for coming. No problem, Joel. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it, mate. Top man. Thank you, Gary. Cheers, mate. That was good. <laughs> good. I enjoyed that. That was good. It was good, good to have a conversation uh, yeah, around that. A conversation, yeah. <laughs> okay, mate. Uh, let's keep in touch. Yes. This will be coming out in, I think, two weeks Friday. Cool. I'll send you the MP. What parts of it do you want? I can send the. I'll send you the link, the audio file, which is. To where to be sat? So do you want it? Do you going to break any of the content down? Do you want any parts to break uh, it down? Yeah, I'll, I'll break a few things down because I want to. I want to post them on my on my obviously um, platforms, my channels, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll if you send me the whole thing, I can just um, break things down from there, mate. Yeah, but whatever bits you really like, feel free to send those over as well if you want to. I'd be quite okay. appreciate that. All right, lovely job, Gary. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. Thanks for Have that, a good mate. Evening. Cheers, Take mate. Care, mate. Bye-bye. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging, and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.